Welcome to day 115 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, the drama of Scripture, continuing our journey through the book of uh, Judges. I'm Paul Kemp, by the way, here with Katie Kresge, Matt Kresge, and uh, David Keefe. Same for yesterday and the day before. We haven't introduced the group this week, uh, but you probably already figured out who they were and all of this. We come to one of the more familiar uh, Judges, uh, Gideon. Uh, his story is well known. This is one of the ones you know that we uh, told in Sunday school, and so you've probably uh, know about the fleece and about uh, you know the different things in the life of Gideon. So we'll spend most of the rest of the week uh, looking at Gideon, which is one of the longer chapters or longer sections uh, in the book of Judges. Uh, before we uh, turn to to the familiar story and maybe some not so familiar details in it, let's offer the moment to the Lord. Uh, David, you mind lifting us up? Yes, pray. And Father, we do ask that even as we do come to a passage that many of us have probably heard, um, we do ask that you would uh, meet us new, meet us fresh, help us to um, behold beauty and wonders and, and marvelous things in your Word. Help us to not just think we we know it and and then to move kind of hard-heartedly through your word, but we ask that you, through your spirit, would would teach us, um, would remind us, and um, help renew and refresh our, our hearts and, and who you are, and and in that, may our um, heart's affections go out to you. Um, you are worthy of worship, you're worthy of honor, and we ask as we turn to your word now, you would do the work that only you can do of um, giving us um, uh, affections um, for you. And so we ask you would do that for your glory. We praise all in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Gideon, and not Gideon, Judges chapter 6, the story of Gideon. <laughs> and uh, chapter 6 begins with a refrain that should be very familiar to you as we've read uh, through Judges. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joaz the Adrazite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Were all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. 
But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go and wait until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abbezrites. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, that same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, and the Asherah pole beside it cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, Who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you going to try to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerob Baal that day, saying, Let Baal contend with him. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and other eastern people joined forces, crossed over the Jordan, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asherah, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. We have uh, Gideon as kind of a skeptical, reluctant uh, deliverer uh, in, in all of this. And of course, he had already had a remarkable sign uh, whenever his offering was consumed. And of course, the angel of the Lord ascended in the smoke of his, of his offering. But he asked God for another sign and still, you know, still another sign. Uh, so you see reluctance you know, on, his, on his part. 
And, and of course, it's kind of interesting that when the angel of the Lord first addressed him, he said, Hail to you, mighty warrior, or man of valor. And of course, you know, Gideon is everything but that. But in the Lord's strength, he, he will become uh, exactly what the Lord has called him. Yeah, it is one question that I had is just, are these asking for signs? Is that a sinful thing? Or like, I mean, it seems like the Lord is willing to give him these signs. I was just curious what what y'all thought about that. And well, obviously, you know, Jesus is going to confront the you know, you know Pharisees, and he's he's going to even characterize a whole generation. He said, you know, this generation looks for a sign, but none will be given to it except you know for the sign you know for the sign of Jonah. So there are some instances you know where the Lord willingly responds. You can think also of Hezekiah, uh, you know, and other you know other uh, other instances you know, other instances as well. And of course, you can also think of you know Zechariah, John the Baptist, Father, where there is a sign given, but it's kind of an adverse you know sign as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want a, a theology of signs, it's a very mixed bag. Sometimes yeah. you know God willingly gives them. Sometimes He gives them in a way that is kind of counter to what you know the person is asking for, and sometimes He refuses uh, refuses altogether. And of course, the greater Goal or the greater hope uh, is, uh, and as Jesus, you know, said, you know, uh, to the disciples, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Mm-hmm. Even as you're looking at, you know, Gideon asking for all these signs, I mean, even kind of towards the start of the story, after kind of the the escape from Israel from Egypt has been kind of retold, and, and but we also said, you know, that the people of Israel haven't listened to God, then. You know, getting kind of a response to the angel, you know, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are all his wonder? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So he does seem to have, you know, some doubt, I guess, in, in what God's doing or where God's been, even though he has been so close throughout now, all of this. He, he's quite cynical. Yeah. I mean, you find him, you know, in a wine press, which would have, you know, <laughs> kind of been enclosed. Trying to you know be it out a little bit of grain you know so that it, you know so that he can live you know he can live on it mm-hmm. so you kind of you know find him hiding you find him reluctant you find him a, you know a bit you know bitter and, and of course the story always comes back to you know the very foundation of this people uh, you know through the deliverance you know from Egypt and that's the the foundation of <clears throat> their salvation the foundation of their identity mm-hmm. and, and the place they always need to come back to you know be a re, you know be reassured of god's power mm-hmm. and of course the exodus for you know, for us is sign of the cross mm-hmm. you know that is our foundation and that's a place we start and of course that's the call of the new testament knowing that god did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him in grace give us all good things and uh, that should have been the foundation he's moving forward on. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, he's moving forward on a foundation of skepticism. God accepts yeah. him in this yeah. skepticism and yeah. uses him in spite of it in, yeah. in this particular instance. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the things that, you know, there's times in Scripture where people do put the Lord to the test, and he says, you know, do not put me to the test, you know. And and yet here, Gideon time and time again puts right. the Lord to the test, and the Lord never, as far as I, I remember in these stories, it never rebukes Gideon outright, you know, why do you keep doing these things? Instead, he continues to to sure. meet his doubts, meet his skepticism, 
you know, and is willing to, to do what Gideon asked, which is this interesting dynamic. But I, I think part of that, one of the things I love about Gideon's story is we're watching the Lord in relationship with people, you know, and, and it's not just, oh, you disobeyed me, you're done, you know, oh, you don't have the faith, you know, that I, did, that mm-hmm. I require here, you're done. But it, there's accommodation almost yeah. of, of walking with Gideon, preparing him for what God has in store. Uh, and so you're just watching even Gideon. You know, I love the the phrase where he says that uh, I was the weakest in Manasseh. You know, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. You know, I am, I am weak. How in the world are you going to use me? And again, that just upside down nature of no, and of course if you go back to manasseh manasseh's already a half tribe <laughs> yeah. so my tribe's even you know my tribe's not a whole tribe it's a half tribe yeah and then if you look inside it you know we're the weakest of all yeah. all the tribes and if you look inside it and you pick out a family my goodness my family mm-hmm. and my goodness if you're picking somebody out of my family you know me and, and of course you're reminded a bit of uh, moses you know in his in his response yeah. Well, well. too in verse six, you know, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I can't help but hear the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Or Luke's version, blessed are those who are poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That there's something about that upside down nature of the kingdom, in which we realize our that we're impoverished. Yeah, and we begin to seek the Lord or realize the Lord is all we have, you know, and all, all we desire. Um, I mean, you're just kind of watching that, that this impoverishment of the Israelites mm-hmm. leads them to realize their hope in so many other things was an empty and bankrupt hope. And really their hope is the Lord. Yeah. And of course, on the other side of it, you have the whole idea of them not crying out to the Lord until they're desperate. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they could have turned to the Lord, yeah. uh, you know, you know, much, you know, much sooner. And a lot of times, it takes us becoming coming to the end of ourselves before we realize the bankruptcy of the things that we, you know, so often cling to, but also uh, the deep uh, love and and the power, you know, that God has toward those who believe more mm-hmm. than we could ever ask or imagine that work you know, in us. Yeah, and that's exactly what the Lord says to them when they do cry out. He says. Um, he sends him a prophet and he says, I've done all these things for you. One thing I told you not to do, you did. You have not listened to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that strikes me in, from this story that has never struck me before is in verse 14, it says, the Lord said, turn to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And of course, Gideon responds saying that he's the weakest. But I, what strikes me is that the Lord says, go in the strength that you have, not that you will have when I give it to you, but God has already chosen him. He has already empowered him with his strength. And so he is as skeptical as he already is. God has set his sights on Gideon and he is going to use him. That's right. Um, and no matter what, his power will be revealed through him as weak as he is and as weak as, as his army will be, as we'll see. Uh, no, uh, God does not say, you know, to Gideon, he says, oh, I'd never thought of that. You are from Manasseh, and your family is kind oh, yeah. of uh, inadequate, yeah, and, we'll and you the are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so God, you know, do, you know, God doesn't, you know, do that. Matter of fact, he does, you know, what Paul reminds us is he shows his strength through weakness. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul said, I'll all the more boast, you know, in my weaknesses so that his grace may be evident mm-hmm. in me. Father, thank you. Uh, for who you are, thank you for the vessels that you choose in order that your glory might be 
seen in, in our weakness. Thank you, Father, that uh, we can boast all the more in our weakness because your grace is sufficient for us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.